We live in a strange time in history where there are buildings set up in cities where parents, women, mothers take their children to be murdered. It's bizarre. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today on the program. As well, I'm going to be talking to someone who spent time in jail because of their faith. And that was in the United States. It's not some overseas third world Muslim country. It's happening here in America. And we'll talk to her today on the program. So stick around. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal, the pro-life organization that committed to taking abortion victim photography and video to college and high school campuses and other venues all across North America. And you can find out more by going to createdequal.org. Uh, the program is uh, can be found 24-7 on all the popular podcasting platforms, and you can follow me on social media, on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and all the other popular websites. So today, we're going to have an update from my good friend, Dr. Monica Miller from uh, Citizens for a Pro-Life Society. She's out of jail. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And she also uh, published a piece in Crisis Magazine that caught my attention talking about sidewalk counseling. And I would assume that a lot of people listening to the sound of my voice or watching the program knows what that is, but we're going to talk about what that is and how important it is to the pro-life movement. Dr. Monica Miller, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. So, Monica, you just got out of jail. Let's start there. Uh, you know, when, when I talk about pro-lifers going to jail, most people think, oh, that's the days of Operation Rescue three decades ago. Uh, what what did you do to end up in jail? Well, um, I participated in a Red Rose Rescue. Um, we've had about 35 of these rescues since 2017. I wish I could say we've had 90, but we, okay, 35. And yeah. so I organized and participated in a Red Rose Rescue at the Northland Family Planning Abortion Center in Southfield, Michigan. That would have been April of 2022. I was joined by five others, including Father Fidelis Moshensky and Matthew Connolly, Laura Geist, Elizabeth Wagi, Jacob Greger. And uh, we uh, went into the waiting room. Well, actually, only three, three of us went into the waiting room and three of us stayed in the hallway. This is an abortion center that's on the second floor of a large building with a lot of other businesses surrounded by a very large, very deep parking lot, which makes sidewalk counseling very difficult, if not if not impossible. So to be able to go really close, you know, actually in the clinic, talk to the moms, offer them words of encouragement, give them all, you know, help, practical help. We offer them roses. Three of us stayed in the hallway um, and uh, we were able to talk to every mom, getting off the elevator, walk down the hallway with them. So this is the uh, this is the last opportunity these women will ever have. Mm-hmm. Saying yes to life. Um, so what what makes this different, Monica? If I would, I want to make sure we understand the distinction between a traditional rescue, which we understand if you've been following me and pro life activism, my. People, my followers or whatever the people listen to this program 
understand Operation Rescue in the days when we were blocking the entrances. This is a little different than that, isn't it? Yeah, we don't block anything. And so we have never been charged with the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. We are not there to, quote, unquote, simply protest abortion. I don't have a problem with that, of course. Right. But we don't block the doors. We're there to reach out to these moms and and do everything we can to persuade them in those last minutes before they walk down the hallway of death to kill their babies. If the moms don't leave, at least some of the rescuers have to stay. And I mean, that's a very important spiritual, practical component of a Red Rose rescue. We will not leave the abandoned unborn children who are literally about to be exterminated. We will abide with them. We will continue to witness to the sanctity of their lives. And that's, that, that's where the element of arrest possibly comes in. And because uh, we, we tell the police why we're there, we can't leave. We're not going to leave these these innocent human beings uh, to simply go to their deaths without somebody to continue to witness to them. So we were indeed arrested. We were tried in February. We're denied a defense of others uh, because the unborn, at least in the state of Michigan, and the post-Roe right. landscape are not recognized as others. Yeah, especially uh, so now with your constitutional amendment where it was passed to legalize abortion. It's a big yeah. mess, and we're praying and hoping that Ohio will be spared what we went through exactly. here in Michigan. But in any case, uh, here's the thing, and I'm going to make this really short. So we got we were convicted in February. We had a great attorney, uh, Robert Muse of the American Freedom Law Center. He did everything. Awesome. In fact, he's an amazing attorney. Yeah. But without that defense, we were arguing uh, strictly on technicalities of what elements go into a, a trespass charge and so on and so forth. So we had our sentencing on March 30th. Now, here's the thing. We could have walked out of that courtroom in good conscience, even under probation. Um, but this particular judge, Cynthia Arvant, imposed a five, the, one of the conditions of the probation was that we had to remain 500 feet from every single abortion center in the United States of America for a period of 18 months. And not only did she impose it, but she required us to agree to it. Hmm. And there was no way we could do that in conscience. Um, We had a similar uh, bond uh, probation restriction back in 2018, but that judge did not require an agreement and then myself and Will Goodman and Matthew Connolly, we broke that probation condition and went to jail later on, let's just say, on our own schedule. Okay. But in, in, at, at this particular uh, sentencing, we had no choice and we were immediately um, taken into custody uh, from, from the sentencing. I, I had a 45-day sentence. Uh, Laura Geist had a 60-day sentence. And Matthew Connolly and Father Fidelis, but two of them are still in jail uh, with a with a ninety day sentence. So the, the difference in the sentences had to do with how many recent convictions did we have regarding Red Rose Rescue? And since I still have a trial pending, and I had a not guilty verdict, actually, God be praised, and thank you, Robert Muse. Um, I had the less of the of the convictions. So I had the lesser sentence and so on. It gets a little complicated that way. Right. But Matthew Connolly will be out June 6th. Father Fidelius Christopher 
Moshensky will be out June 12th. And everything is up on our website. You can still message them through the, through the smart jail mail. You can write the letters. And all of that's up on ProLifeSociety.com, our website. All the information you need to, to, uh, to talk to them, to message them, to write to them, and so on. My guest is Monica Miller, and she's an author, pro-life activist, also written the book Abandon. Yeah, here we go. Well, no, you know, it's interesting, uh, Monica, if you look back in our history, I had not met you, but I read your book, and then I called you and said, "This, I think it is the best pro-life book, in, in the sense that it recounts the days of Operation Rescue and some of the civil disobedience, so-called, and just the stories of valor and courage that are contained in the book are an inspiration and were an inspiration continue to be for me and others. And you can pick up that book uh, if you go to their website at ProLifeSociety.com. And folks, if you want to know more about Red Rose Rescue, there's a website set up called RedRoseRescue.com. That's RedRoseRescue.com. Dot com. Well, Monica, we're glad you're out of jail. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on, not only because you're out of jail, that's important, but I want to talk about this piece you wrote in Crisis Magazine. And what caught my eye was your reference to The Catchers in the Rye, uh, the book written by J.D. Salinger, which I would assume most of my followers, listeners, viewers are familiar with. And that's what caught that's what caught my eye. I want to read the portion that leads the story. And it says this, I've come this this is the main character Holden in the book talking about how he's you know rescues children. I've come out uh, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. He's talking about the children. That's all I do all day. I just be the catcher in the rye and all I know it's crazy, but that's the only thing I'd like to be. I know it's crazy. And when I read that, I thought, that's a, that's me. <laughs> that, that's you. <laughs> that's hundreds, if not thousands, of pro-life activists across the country who this is all they want to do. They want to save babies, and people think they're crazy, and they're probably the most sane people in the world. And that's why I thought that the, the story is so cool. So. Let's talk the, about uh, the story. Let's talk about uh, the uh, the piece, if you would. Uh, why did you want to, Why did you play on the catchers in the rye? First of all, well, actually, I I used that uh, that quote part of that quote in it before one of my chapters in in my book Abandoned. So I kind of already had had that idea, but you know, Holden um, sees himself as as standing towards the edge of a cliff, right and. What he has to do is he has to prevent the children from falling over the cliff in this field of rye. Mm-hmm. And so when you're standing outside of an abortion clinic or you're doing a rescue or you've got, you're, you know, you're, you're outside of a clinic praying or you're holding a sign or, you know, being, being an activist on the street, um, trying to reach out to people, that's what we're trying to do to prevent yeah. innocent children uh, from falling off the cliff. The clip yeah. of abortion, the clip yeah. of legalized abortion, the clip, the clip of being unwanted. And uh, so I can I interrupt for a second? Because I, I the other thing that I 
it's interesting that you mentioned in this that what we're seeing is unprecedented in human history. That is, we have buildings set up, businesses, where women, mothers, take their children to be killed. Almost in every major city in the United States. We've come to, you know, become familiar with it, unfortunately. But this is unprecedented in human history. What yeah, we're seeing. That, yeah, and I note that at the beginning of the article that the first time in the history of the human race, there are actual places where innocent human beings are exterminated by their parents. And yeah, I, I want people to, I want that to sink in with our viewers and listeners. This is a yeah. time like none other. Right. So, but here's the other, here's the, here's the flip side, if you will. That means that we have an opportunity to save people from abortion. I mean, we, you, you, you can stand outside of these clinics and talk to the moms. And look, there's no question that if we hadn't, if we have if we're not out there reaching out to the moms, the, the babies, the babies have been saved. Moms have been helped by now probably tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands since, since yeah. the beginning of, of legalized abortion. So you have the opportunity to do a very, very um, beautiful work of love. Um, and you, you actually save, save someone from being put to death. You know, you call it the backbone of the pro-life uh, movement. You know, that kind of struck me because you look at our movement and you see us, much of us involved in the political, where it's an issue, right? It's a political issue that we debate. And there's pro-life apologetics, which we try to train people on how to argue for the unborn, the case for the unborn. All important, by the way. I'm not minimizing that. But you say it's the backbone, sidewalk counseling, uh, presence at abortion clinics. You you call it the backbone of pro-life movement. Why do you refer to it that way? Because I think we're in a, we're in a social justice cause, and we're we're in a situation where literally every day over a thousand unborn children will be um, murdered with the sanction of of law. And when you're out, my point is we have to be there where the injustice is happening. This is this is not a, 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 a an idea. This is not a philosophical concept. This is real murder. And um, so it's important for us to, to actually be at the place where the injustice is take is occurring. Right. So that's why that's why I say that. Well, and, and, and I when I passed this on to my staff and others, I made that case. I made the case that, you know, we even I often get, you know, wrapped up in the day-to-day of running a ministry or training people to be pro-life apologists and and so forth and so on. And we could actually lose sight of the very thing that we're here to do, which is to rescue children. Right. Um, You know, and I, you know, I know that sidewalk counseling is very difficult. I've spent thousands of hours outside of abortion centers. God bless my husband. He's the one now going out every week. Uh, talking the most broken, needy women out of abortions in the in in Detroit, um, Michigan. Uh, I've got lots of women that I continue to help, literally 
I am not exaggerating, years after I talked them out of the abortion and the baby was born. In fact, it's part of my article. Right. Is uh, how I, I um, had that meeting with Darius um, 37 years <laughs> after I, I talked his mother out of the abortion that saved him. So it's, uh, that was like there's two great. two very very cool uh, stories in in your article. Of course, your book is full of them. One is the one about Darius, but the other one also caught me, and that is the story of of, of Lila. Right. How you lost two, but you saved one. If you would just share that story for our for our family. Right. Our, um, this had to be at least, this was. Oh gosh, I got to remember. I'm gonna forget the exact year it was, but it's been a while. Um, I tried to talk a woman out of an abortion. Um, she was pregnant with, uh, with twins. I, at the time I didn't know, and she didn't know it either. Um, I talked to her and I was hoping that we would meet, meet up and have lunch or dinner or whatever, but she kept avoiding me for about four or five days. And I was really panicking. And I knew that I knew the day and I knew where she was scheduled to, to have her abortion. And uh, this was, again, I kind of ironically at the Northland Family Planning Abortion Center, where I just did this rescue last year and went to jail for 30, 34 out of the 45 days. So I was not reaching Lila. And I knew from my experience, Mark, that when the communication dries up, that's a bad selling. And so I was anticipating that she was going to go through with the abortion I was not able to be there the morning of her appointment, though I did have um, a student of mine at the clinic to try and intercept Lila. But in any case, the night the night before her abortion, I got the idea to go to the uh, to go to the building. I knew there was a bathroom, uh, a public bathroom, if you will, down the hall from the abortion center, and this is right off of the elevator. So it's you know it's it's possible that a mom scheduled for abortion would go into that women's uh, room and use it before she goes, you know, to the clinic. Uh So I had these old pamphlets from Guadalupe workers, which is my husband's group. And I, I left them in, in that bathroom. I, I kind of, you know, stealthily put them in places where they wouldn't be seen right away in case the abortion staff went in there and then they would have wound up in the trash, but I put them in the stalls and you could only see them if you were actually in the stall and using the stall. And and so that was my hope that maybe Lila would go in there, she'd see the pamphlet, and that would be a way that, that I would be able to continue to try to save her baby. Well, all right, uh, sad story. She she did abort the baby. She aborted, she had the abortion and she and she aborted twins. Mm-hmm. All of this was coming back to me from her co-worker. Um, so this is the way that I had gotten in touch with uh, Lila to begin with. I was devastated. I truly was devastated. I tried so hard to reach her and to save to save her from getting that abortion. And then she winds up aborting twins. She abort- And then she aborts them on a, on a Catholic holy day. I mean, for me, that was very significant. The, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I thought, oh, my God, it can't get any worse. But then about two days later, um, Edmund, my husband Edmund, walks in the living room. And he says, hey, we just got a phone call from some some mom. Because the Guadalupe worker's phone number was on the pamphlet that I left in the bathroom. 
And he said, some woman called us who was going to get an abortion and now she's made an appointment to see us. And so that those pamphlets that were meant for Lockheed up saved another baby. So I, so you know, sure. never, you never give up, you know, never give up. Well, what I love about you is your persistence in the book abandoned is all kinds of stories like that. And even today, you are still exemplifying that type of courage and um, forbearance, persistence that is so, you know, it's challenging for all of us. And that's why we, I love you so much. Well, Monica, I appreciate you being on the program, friends. Go to uh, the website, uh, prolifesociety.net. You can order the book, Abandoned, if you're interested in, in more stories like the ones that we talked about today. Uh, in her piece on Crisis in Crisis Magazine. And we'll have all the links in our descriptions of all our social media. Monica, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you, Mark. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.